Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, I want to begin tonight with a story. It was February 11th, 1858. A young girl from Lourdes, France. She had just returned home after a long day only to discover that her family had completely run out of firewood to heat their home. Their home really wasn't much to speak about. It really wasn't a home structure like you and I might even think of. It was more of a cave. They called it the cachot. It was a cave, essentially, that they lived in. What she didn't know was her parents had just sold the last remaining firewood that they had to buy a little bit of bread for the family. And This girl, she went with her sisters down to what amounted to the city dump outside of the town, a little place called Masabiel, to try and find some scraps of wood to heat their home. And as she went down there, Bernadette, she saw this beautiful and radiant light emanating out of this corner of the cave. And a woman, a beautiful lady, was standing there, folding her hands and just smiling at her just smiling back at her. She didn't say who she was. She didn't speak. She just stood there smiling at Bernadette. And Bernadette was, as you can imagine, stunned and just gripped with awe and fear. And she grabbed her rosary and tried to make the sign of the cross with the little crucifix at the end of the rosary, but she was too gripped with fear to move. And then this radiant girl standing in the cave, she grabbed her own rosary and made the sign of the cross with her own beads, and Bernadette followed, and as she did that, she said she was filled with this deep, deep peace. As she looked at this lady, gazing upon her, smiling, not saying a word, and she was just moving her fingers through the beads. She was praying the rosary, but not saying anything out loud. And as soon as she finished the rosary, she disappeared. Her sisters who were with her, they, they saw Bernadette kind of frozen, standing, staring at this corner of the cave, and they were absolutely dumbfounded, wanting to know what just happened, what were you looking at? And the one who was more dumbfounded was Bernadette, who couldn't understand that they didn't see her as well. And they were asking her, what did you see? And she was so reluctant to tell them, they, she finally relented and, and explained what she saw. She told them, and as it happens with little sisters, word got out, right? It spread through the town. And that began what would become a very, very long and very painful journey for Bernadette and the whole Subiru family. A barrage of investigations and cross-examinations fell upon Bernadette and her family. Accusations of lying and making the whole thing up and fakery and, and requests from townsfolk asking her to do a miracle, right? All of these things happened. You had townspeople, faithful Catholics, you had prelates, deacons, priests, seminarians, bishops even, pressing her, asking her to to recant this story. This is ridiculous, accusing her of making the whole thing up. And whenever she was asked by them who this lady was, Bernadette didn't say, oh, it was the Blessed Mother. She just responded in her own native dialect. She just would say, she identified her as Aquero, which translates to the thing, the thing that I'm talking about. That's all that she could say, the thing, aquero. 
So Aquaro, the lady, she had asked Bernadette to go to the priest, to go to the bishop, and ask them that a shrine be built on that place, that processions would come, and that people would be healed. And so Bernadette, in subsequent apparitions, she then went and then asked the bishops, asked the priests that this is what the lady wants. And the bishops, the hierarchy, naturally, understandably, obviously suspicious, they said to her, well, if Aquaro wants a shrine built here, that she's going to have to cough up the money herself. Well, that was not a big deal for our Blessed Mother. If you've ever been to Lourdes, France, you know somebody coughed up the money. So finally one night, after just all of this pressure, all of this wondering, Bernadette, she arose from bed late at night, she got dressed, and she went down to Masabiel, hoping that she could get an answer out of the lady, who she was. She asked her four times, tell me, please, who are you? After the fourth time, the lady simply said, I am the Immaculate Conception. That's how she identified herself. Bernadette was overjoyed, completely filled with delight, and she, she didn't know what those words meant. She just kept repeating them. I'm not going to try and attempt to say it in her native dialect, how Mary pronounced it, but she said, I am the Immaculate Conception. So Bernadette, repeating those words, I am the Immaculate Conception, sprinted back that night to the bishop's residence, pounding on his door, waking him up and saying, she told me who she was. I am the Immaculate Conception. And the bishop looked at her, totally puzzled. Internally, he's just losing it. Externally, he's holding it together, and he's questioning her, is that really what she said? How do you know what those words mean? She goes, I don't know what those words mean. He was puzzled because four years earlier, 1854, Pope Pius IX had just defined the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, and this bishop, he knew, he knew that there was no way that this illiterate, uneducated peasant girl would have ever known that. You have to remember, this is, the, this is in the days before mass telecommunications, before, you know, it's, it's a far cry from our day where the Pope says something and three minutes later, everybody around the world knows what he said, right? Good, bad, and indifferent. This is a very different day. It's not as though everybody was reading papal encyclicals or papal bulls, Bernadette, who couldn't even read. I am the Immaculate Conception. Friends, I wanted to start with that story tonight. That was a story that just swirled in my mind as I was praying through this solemnity. I just wanted to begin with that story as we contemplate this Marian mystery, the Immaculate Conception, because we in the West, right, Latin Catholics, Roman Catholics, we tend to think of this solemnity, this dogma, we we tend to think of it as... um, as, theologi- as a theological explanation for Mary's origins. We kind of reduce it to the theological description of her incredible origin, that at the moment of her conception in Anne's womb, she was preserved in advance from the stain from the wound of original sin, that it was as if God reached forward in time, grabbed hold of the merits of his son's passion, death, and resurrection, and applied them retroactively to his mother at the moment of her conception. How God can do that? I don't know, but that's a thing that God can do, right? He, can, he who is outside of space and time can do these things, right? But we in the West tend to think of it in terms of her mere origin. When in fact, to, to say that Mary is the Immaculate Conception, it's, it is who she is, if I can put it that way, right? She said, I am the Immaculate Conception. She didn't say, I was immaculately conceived. No, I am am the Immaculate Conception. So I guess the question I want us to explore tonight is what 
What could that possibly mean? What does that mean? And the way I want to answer that question, the way I want to begin just sketching an answer to that question is I want to share with you uh, some words from our tradition, from a, a homily from Pope Benedict that he preached in 20, 2005. Here's what happens sometimes when I, I want to like reflect on, you know, get, get the theological homily juices flowing. I'll, I'll, I'll turn to Pope Benedict. I'm like, what did he say about this, right? And here's the problem with doing that sometimes, that I read what he says and I'm like, well, I can't say that better than him, right? So I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try. I'm gonna, I want to share a little bit of what he said and interject it with some of these thoughts that I have. So the Pope in this homily, he begins by asking this question, right? What macula is it exactly that Mary is without, right? To be immaculate, to be immacula, macula in Latin means blemish, right? To be immacula means to be without blemish. So what blemish, what wound is it that she is without? That's the question. We get a glimpse of this. We get a glimpse of her answer, I am the immaculate conception. We get a glimpse of this in the, the first reading that we have tonight in our reflection on this solemnity from the mysterious text of the fall from Genesis and the whisper of the enemy, right, who came to our first parents. And the seduction wasn't an invitation to outright atheism or rejection of God entirely. It was a drive-by accusation. He whispered into their hearts the suggestion that perhaps God's holding out on you. Perhaps He's not who you think he is, right? He knows that when you eat of this fruit that he told you not to eat, he knows that your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. Right? He, he invited them to think that God is not a good and provident father. And out of this suggestion arose fear in their hearts and out of that fear arose this deep fundamental mistrust and out of that came the grasping at the solution, grasping at godliness, taking for ourselves the means to our own fulfillment and salvation and all of these things. And the result of it was horrendous beyond imagining, right? The whole cosmos was rent into. Everything was disordered. Everything was disfigured. From the smallest atom to the biggest galaxy, everything was affected, especially our human hearts, right? Because entering into the human experience for the first time comes hiding and shame and guilt and blaming and accusation and division, right? Division, all of this enters into the human experience, all born out of mistrust. The Pope goes on to say, the human being does not trust God. Tempted by the serpent, he harbors the suspicion that in the end, God takes something away from his life. That God is a rival who curtails our freedom and that we will be fully human only when we have cast him aside. In brief, that the only way to fully achieve our freedom is to cast him out. Friends, this is the world we are living in. This is the, this is the root of the chaos that man is trying to define himself, understand himself, make himself apart from God because there's this deep in our bones suspicion, this mistrust that God is a taker, that he's not to be trusted, that somehow he compromises my freedom, he compromises my humanity. The Pope says this, the human being lives in the suspicion that God's love creates a life-robbing dependence 
and that he must rid himself of this dependency if he is to be fully himself. And this is the killer line that I've been reflecting on. He does not want to rely on love that to him seems untrustworthy. This is one of the fundamental problems of our humanity, that the deepest fundamental need we have is to be loved. We are creatures made by love, for love, destined for love. We are, that's what we are. We are creatures for love. That's why we're here, to learn love. That's what this whole life is. It's a school of love. We are here to love. On our deathbed, all we'll be thinking about is the love that we gave and the love that we received. Love is the answer to our humanity, right? And we live in this suspicion that God's love doesn't seem trustworthy, and so we keep it at arm's distance. So then the Pope says this. If we sincerely reflect about ourselves and our history, we have to say that with this narrative in Genesis is described not only the history of the beginning, but the history of all times, and that we all carry within us a drop of the poison of that way of thinking. Pause. The Pope is just asking us to be honest for a moment. I'm asking us to be honest for a moment. And to like reckon with the fact that we carry within us still deep this drop of the poison that, that suspects that that might be the case. Like it was, Adam and Eve fell for this lie in paradise. They fell for the lie in Eden. How much harder is it for us to believe in the trustworthy good love of God in this fallen world where there's pain and division and suffering and, and people die and move away and we get hurt? Like how much easier is it, us, easier is it for us to believe the enemy who says you, you shouldn't trust that love? The Pope continues, precisely on this feast of the Immaculate Conception, we have a lurking suspicion that a person who does not sin, like Our Lady, must really be basically boring, and that something is missing from this person's life. The dramatic dimension of being autonomous, that the freedom to say no, to descend into the shadows of sin and to want to do things on one's own is part of being truly human. In a word, we think that a little bargaining with evil, keeping for oneself a little freedom against God, is basically a good thing, perhaps even necessary. Perhaps even necessary. Here's the amazing thing, right? That somehow we have it in our minds Maybe not consciously, maybe not in the forefront, but there's this lurking suspicion that what makes life dramatic is somehow my ability to be in rebellion. My ability to descend into sin. That like, that's the thing that spices life up. He's saying that's not true. Our Lady, right, the Immaculate Conception, she she unmasks this great lie. One of my favorite titles of Our Lady is the crusher of heresies. The crusher of heresies. This is the heresy that she crushes. She's the destroyer of the original lie. The Pope says, the person who abandons himself or herself totally to God's hands does not become God's puppet, a boring yes man. He does not lose his freedom 
only the person who entrusts himself totally to God finds true freedom. The great creative immensity of the freedom of good. The freedom of good. Mary thus stands before us today as a sign of comfort and encouragement and hope, right? She's our life, our sweetness, and our hope. She turns to us saying this. This is Mary saying this to us. Have the courage to dare with God. Try it. Do not be afraid of him. Have the courage to risk with faith. Have the courage to risk with goodness. Have the courage to risk with a pure heart. Commit yourselves to God. Then you will see that it is precisely by doing so that your life will become broad and light. Not boring, but filled with infinite surprises for God's infinite goodness is never depleted. She's the crusher of heresies. She is the immaculate conception She is trust. That's what she is. She is the trust. God has given himself. He says, I give you everything. I hold nothing back. There's no hooks. There's no caveats. There's no clauses to this gift. There's no fine print to this gift. It's the entirety of myself. And I promise you, if you open yourself to receive me more deeply, to let me in more completely, to let me be the Lord of your life, to surrender yourself to me, You're not going to be compromised. You'll become radiant. St. Paul is telling us in that second reading, this is for what we were destined. You were called before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blemish. What she is, we are all called to be by grace. If she is not our life, our sweetness, and our hope, if we are not called to be what she is, then she is a tease at best. We look at her to see what we are meant to be, right? She is not the aberration from the norm. She is the norm. We're the aberration. She is humanity. Humanity is meant to be trust. Again, that's why Jesus, over and over again, the message of divine mercy is the same message. Jesus, I trust in you. And I know so many of us are going through things that make it so hard to trust. How many prayers have we prayed? How many litanies have we prayed? How many novenas have we prayed begging God to answer this, to do this, to move in this particular way? I say, please go left, and he's clearly taking my life right. God knows it's hard to trust. He knows. But I think that's why he gave us a mother who is trust. She knew, she knew from the first moment where this whole story was headed, and she chose to trust. In all of her humanity, she chose to trust. And so friends, tonight on this solemnity, this beautiful solemnity of Our Lady, Aquero, the Immaculate Conception, we pray, O Mary, conceive without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. Amen.